0: Oh, Tudor-minded people, it's Philadelphia carry for Tudor time machine. The word I share with you this week is figgant Oh, I recall this with horror. At the feast of the Ascension of King James, Lady Penelope Rich passed as I stood in attendance. I stared and gaped, for Lady Rich had been in great disgrace with my Queen Elizabeth and was banished from court. However... Lady Rich was in high favour with the new king and among the ladies of Queen Anne's bedchamber. Oh, my discourtesy, Lady Rich declared she would knock some sense into my biggin' head and boxed me on the ear. I blushed scarlet at the memory. Bigant?
1: How now, Tudor Files, what think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with our friend Philadelphia Carey for
0: Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle, and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting. So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Jessica and I would like to really thank all of
1: you Tudor files out there because we were just named one of the top 10 Tudor history podcasts by Feedspot. So that is really wonderful. Tudor files are an amazing bunch. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Philadelphia, can you give us the spelling of Figant, our word of the week? It is spelled F-I-G-E-N-T. In the 16th century, the word was used to mean unfocused or fidgety. And our
0: use of the word comes from the Jacobean city comedy, Eastward Ho, which was first performed in 1605. I saw the play at the Blackfriars Theatre, performed by the Children of the Queen's Revels. It was uproarious. The Children of the Queen's Revels, that's another one of the child acting
1: troupes that were so popular in London during this period. But at the very least, they did not perform at, at the playhouses like the Globe or the Fortune. They performed at the Blackfriars, which was an indoor theatre that seated fewer people, and it was considered a
0: little more upscale than the Globe. Is so. There are fewer riff-and-raff types at the Blackfriars. Ladies, as myself, and gentlemen, as my favourite, attend the theatre there. Even King James himself has attended a play at the Blackfriars. Riff-and-raff types? Philadelphia,
1: are you a snob? A what? Snob. Someone who's haughty, thinks they're better than other people, and who's very proud of their rank.
0: Oh, yes, indeed. I am a snob. The great chain of being has placed me far above my lessers. I am no groundling, and for this, I am content. All righty then. Okay. So, well, as you say,
1: the play Eastward Ho was performed in 1605 at the Blackfriars, and it was written by
0: three playwrights. Yes, yes, it is so. Master Ben Johnson, Master George Chapman, and Master John Marston all wrote parts of the work.
1: Playwriting was not a solitary gig.
0: No, I think it must have been a lot more like a Hollywood writer's room with writers pitching ideas and a couple of different people contributing to the same script and taking different parts of the script to write and then put it all back together.
1: Just like on a TV set, the writer would make a last minute
0: change if something wasn't working, something like that. And the actors might improv something that could be written into the script. And I know this is off topic and this is my own bugbear, but when you consider how collaborative this process was in the 16th century, I mean, the so-called Shakespeare authorship question, it seems even more ridiculous as if none of the actors or collaborators would have noticed that Shakespeare wasn't writing his scripts. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's inconceivable.
1: It's so true, but back to Eastward Ho. Okay. Yes. Back to Eastward Ho. The play takes place in London, and it's a complicated city comedy plot with a goldsmith, his grasping wife, his wise daughter, his silly daughter, his apprentices, a coxcomb penniless nobleman, a moneylender, a cheating wife, a mistress who's different than the cheating wife. There's much confusion and a voyage to Virginia that ends in an immediate shipwreck. But in the end, it's all
0: resolved. And in the Tudor period, this happy ending means everyone is reconciled, Everyone is back in their place in the social status. Everyone marries the correct person, and the miscreants repent and see the error of their ways. Our word, figant,
1: comes in a conversation between the goldsmith's apprentice, Quicksilver, and Sir
0: Petronal Flash. These two rogues are plotting to smuggle Sir Petronal Flash's mistress onto the ship bound for Virginia. They talk of disguising her. Sir Petronal says, and what upon her head? Master Quicksilver answers, a sailor's cap, slight. God
1: forgive me, what kind of figgent memory have you? Sir Petronal
0: says, nay then, what kind of figgent wit hast thou, a sailor's cap? How shall she put it off when thou presents her to our company? Master Quicksilver answers, make her a saucy sailor. Sir Petronal Flash says, Tush, Tush, tis no fit sauce for such sweet mutton. I know not what to advise. Oh, <laughs> such sweet mutton. What words for a mistress? It is a comical exchange.
1: It is. And they say our Tudor Word of the Week not once, but twice. So it's a perfect choice. There was an uproar over this play, though. There are some lines that King James decided were anti-Scottish. In
0: fact, all three of these writers ended up in prison. Well, the writers had figured wits indeed to insult the king. But all went on to be pardoned by his majesty. And Master Johnson, Master Chapman, and Master Marsden wrote many more diverting plays for the king and his court. So give heat, tutor files bring some 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with figgent. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like.